Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hello, hello, hello. I think we're hopefully live on YouTube. We'll give it a moment just in case um, in case we're not, but it says we're live, so we probably are. Um, welcome along. This is the last in the podcast interview series uh, of the first season, um, but it's also the first of the live Q&A events that we've ever done. So there's a decent chance that this is going to be an hour of... Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Um, so yes. bear with us if that's the case. Um, we'll do a little... Um, little housekeeping before we uh, before I get too much further along for those of you watching on Google Plus um, you should have a box to the right of your screen with the uh, the questions in it that people are submitting I noticed quite a few of you have uh, have submitted some questions if there's a if you haven't submitted a question um, then please do uh, but if there's a question on there that you like the look of you can click the uh, the plus one or the plus whatever number it is and the uh, the most popular ones will float to the top we'll we'll pick one in a minute and uh, and get started um, the uh, but we've got a we've got a pretty full panel today as you can see down the bottom so um, we'll not be getting too deep into any any questions but we'll try and rattle through a few um, if you're watching on the YouTube um, link, which I hope is working, has anybody down the bottom managed to check? <laughs> no. Um, I'll check. Um, if anybody's watching on, on YouTube, then there'll be a overlay in the bottom left-hand corner prompting you to jump over to, um, to Hangouts. So if you've got a Google account and you're logged in, then... Working. Um, if you want to jump over to um, to us on Google Plus from YouTube, just click that overlay and it should uh, it should jump over here and you can do the questions and things. Otherwise, if you're happy just watching, then um, then you can stay on uh, stay on YouTube. Um, there are comments down the bottom which I'm going to struggle to keep up with. Uh, to be honest, I'm juggling plenty of balls here and I'm probably going to drop them all. But I'll try and I'll try and keep on top of them. Um, as I say, we've got a pretty full panel in the order that they show up on my screen, on the, on, on the left on my screen. Well, I've got, we've got Fred Mendonca from ESI OpenCFD. Hey, Fred. Hi. Uh, we've got Hasem Taleb of uh, Optimad. Hello. Hello to everyone. Uh, we've got Jeff Waters. Hi. Art sales guru. We've got John Chawner. Oh, is it a Good big... morning. Aha. Uh, we've got Hasem Taleb. Oh, sorry, we don't yeah. Hasem. We've got Karen Farsis. Hello, hello, Robin. Hello, everyone. We've got Patrick Hanley. Hello, Robin. Hello, uh, we've got Wolfgang. Although Wolfgang was having a problem with his, uh, his microphone, so he might be doing yep. this by the... Oh, hey, Wolfgang's here. Do you I hear me? Might... Yeah, we do. I thought we might have to do this by mime. <laughs> um, but uh, no, thankfully not. Um, the... I'll... I... Put a couple of um, icebreaker questions out to the um, to the group, um, and I had a little bit of feedback from from a couple of them. Uh, well, Jeff in particular, he, he reckons he's got a cracking answer to this one. So, um, 
I'm going to start with this question and then I'll catch up with what questions you guys are answering and we can uh, we can um, see what's next. But um, I asked the panel um, what tech they thought was going to come through for a CFD and be, uh, be revolutionary or groundbreaking or what was going to be important um, that perhaps isn't now um, but is coming through. Um, did anybody want to kick that off? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wolfgang's going to stand up. Uh, do you hear me first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, excellent. Now it works. Uh, so, you know, I just throw it in. I'm not an expert in that, but uh, uh, I went to um, five or six CFD conferences in the last six months or so, and some of the presentations started with presenting applications, so apps. So the whole app area seems to be uh, uh, gaining ground. Uh, even uh, ISV software vendors, they are coming up with uh, what they call you know, XYZ server or XYZ app. So they come up with a complete list of uh, applications, which is basically based on their code, but uh, uh, nicely customized for a very specific area, like turbines, for example, fence, for example, etc. So I throw that in. I believe this gets more user-friendly. Uh, it is very easy to use. You only have to tune a few parameters, and here you go. So almost anybody now with, uh, without a big, deep knowledge about tuning code, running code, uh, organizing, managing code, etc., can use it. Okay, so I hand it over to you. I agree um, to uh, some extent because um, several years ago, I bought the, the main CFD apps, um, hoping that, you know, predicting that apps would be big in CFD, but um, as far as technology is concerned, um, I think quantum computing uh, uh, might be interesting. Um, so it could be about 3,000 or 1,000 times faster than, um, than supercomputing. Um, IBM has a cloud-based quantum computing um, working five um, qubits uh, i joined and i'm trying to program a quantum computer mm. oh awesome well uh so i have an interesting one that i've been thinking about and i have to um i have to lead this with uh an admission that uh yes i'm a blogger and a podcaster on the cae front with lifeupfront.com but uh, I also work for ESI, and one of the technologies that ESI has uh, recently invested in that I think is you know, pretty exciting is this machine learning and um, big data analysis. And <clears throat> I don't know exactly when this is going to hit, but uh, it's something that I see as a big technology, along with you know, something like quantum computing or at least cloud computing. Um, you know, if you look at the history of CFD when it was first commercialized, I think we can all safely say that we were talking about doing ones of runs per, let's say, average design process around a product. Um, in the late 90s, we started pushing into maybe doing tens of runs, although I think everyone here knows that a lot of CFD engineers still do ones of runs <laughs> per average product being developed. Um, so the software out there has all been priced around this kind of um, model as well. Uh, when we move to a jump step, which I think is coming to thousands of runs per or mm -hmm. more per, per average um, uh, project 
that's developed with CFD, we're going to have such a glut, like terabytes of data that we're going to have to read through. And that's where I think something like what powers uh, Facebook and Google, everywhere you go on the web, on the web, you're leaving a little footprint and all that is, uh, is captured. And these companies use big data analysis today. They have been for a long time to uncover trends and important operating points. And I, and I think that we're just going to apply all of that to a much, much bigger data set. And so that's the big trend that I'm looking forward to. So if you imagine, uh, you know, doing aerodynamics around a car, um, you know, I, I think you'll start to take into account a, a much, much bigger design space than what we do today. And in order to tease out the important connections in all that data, uh, it'll have to be done with uh, machine learning and not uh, and big data analysis and not a human. Hey, Robin. Yeah. Um, I'm not one much for picking winners. Um, and the reason is kind of simple. I think everyone on this panel, um, in response to your question, could probably come up with some really good ideas and projections of technology that over time will prove to be successful in certain market segments or industries or applications. Um, and that's the, that's the challenge of trying to pick winners and why I don't like to do it is because the technology will be unevenly applied. You know, some apps, great. Um, that will solve problems for some people. Quantum computing, excellent. Other users will find that to be extremely valuable. Um, and we could go on and on down the list. Um, so I think it's a matter of kind of trying to ride the wave and the evolution of uh, the technology rather than trying to pick what the next revolution is going to be. Yeah, I heard a, um, a good quote about um, picking stock winners, that the best, um, best indicator of future price is current price. So I think that is a similar thing to what you're saying now, that um, – it's uh, evolution rather than revolution. Yeah, uh, the simple reason is we have invested so much money, so much time and so many people into uh, what we are already now are able to do now. I mean, you know, imagine our 3D uh, time dependent uh, and all schnick-schnack contained uh, uh, software we have. Uh, you cannot easily throw this one day to the next on a quantum computer. I mean, imagine how much investment it would be to port, I mean, the 250 most important CAE codes to a quantum computer. I mean, that, well, is, not, that, that is not possible. I mean, evolutionary, yeah, you can uh, port a piece after a piece. So that, that would simply taking CAE, for example, as a whole to a quantum computer, that would yeah. be uh, uh, not possible. IBM wants us to start doing it now. So by the time it goes up to about 50 qubits, we'll be all set to go. Well, that's very true because that's one of the essential comments in the CFD Vision 2030 study, which everyone probably wishes I would stop referring to. I was going to say, well done, John. You got this far in without mentioning it. <laughs> but they, they talk about the fact that... Um, you know, CFD software needs to start evolving or be architected in a way that will allow it to evolve to whatever the next generation of exascale platform is going to be. It's Rather than saying, you know, it's going to be quantum or it's going to be bio or it's going to be graphene or, or whatever other 
fancy technology they come up with. It's a the call is to say we need to start now to architect our software in a way that allows it to be amenable to porting to whatever new technologies come along, whether that's modularity or or different programming techniques. Um, that we need to start heading in that direction without really knowing where we're going. Yeah, just get something to work on a very small scale. Yes. Well, actually, if I might um, say something to this uh, to this topic regarding, let's say, um, exascale computing or uh, or also the apps that uh, Wolfgang referred to. Well, actually, I believe that um, I mean everyone who does CFD. I think should also be honest about the limits of CFD. I mean, there's a big potential of generating a huge amount of data, but actually we we still struggle about validity of this data, about how you, you really can use them. And I mean, just generating an even bigger amount of data without really knowing how to use it, I think it's... Um, uh, it is technically possible, but I, I don't think it will make much sense to, in the, to industry until there won't be a, a much larger convergence of different sources of data. So imagine, okay, I can do hundreds or thousands of simulations in my design cycle, but if I cannot correlate them in as easily as I generated them to experimental data, to distributed sensors, or things like that, I think it won't it will be a, a little bit uh, useless in some, well, some sense. I, I, I usually think that before you generate the data, you usually know all the, what you, how you're going to use it. For instance, if you're doing a stability analysis of an aircraft and you have to run several rounds with several um, surf, control surface deflections, Mm -hmm. um, you have to set that up first, and by the time the data arrives, you, you already know exactly how, how it's going to be used. Yeah. Hey, Sam, I, uh, I think that you just touched on an important point. Another one that I'm curious to see how it's going to play out for CAE um, is collection of sensor data, uh, real-world data. I, I predict that we're going to see a lot more of... Uh, sensors. So, okay, big buzzword: the Internet of Things. Okay, last time I'll say that, but <laughs> but I think I think we will get a lot of real-time data that's coming back from the field, that's going to in some way mesh yeah, back models. with the with the original models and help to improve them. Karim, mm. mm -hmm. were you going to come in on that? Because I think you you do um, you have a. Yeah. An aspect that collects. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting discussion. Um, I was, I was thinking that generating data, a, a good application for our industry. So we are very industry focused. Uh, we are mostly focused, focusing on the on the wind power industry. Um, and for for us, it's true that we see, but that will come at a later stage, I believe. Um, the the fact that yeah, using uh, generating as many uh, simulations as as we want at the same time, thanks to the cloud computing, for instance, and in the future, some other sources of, of parallel computing um, is already a, a huge revolution to, to solve a lot of performance issues. Um, and in, at a later stage, it will be also interesting to generate uh, such amount of data to go towards um, what we call uncertainties uh, quantification. That's, uh, that's, that's, that could be a really uh, great added value to start also uh, using this way of this new way of calculating uh, to basically uh, preset uh, 
an unlimited number of scenarios before running the simulation at the same time, so that you 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 you, you, feed, you feed an uncertainty quantification models that helps you in your in your design. So I I believe. Um, th this is true for the wind power industry, so that would be true for a, for a wind power project, for instance, uh, and I believe it would be true for also some other industries. I'm just throwing throwing it uh, like this, but I guess it is like this. Well, because of the because of yeah. the way that this um, bit of the conversation has gone, I'm going to actually select one of the um, one of the questions that's come in because um, John's already mentioned his uh, his NASA Vision one, but I know another one that's that gets John going a little bit is the democratization <laughs> of CAE. So I'm going to pick that question because we're also talking about um, verification and validation and things like that. So uh, Marcus Rademacher um, sent us a question in that says, as a CAE analysis, I'm skeptical of the whole democratization of CAE, but not just because it would threaten my career. I'm concerned because CAE, CFD sorry, and FEA are not robust in that you can get wrong answers and not know without verification and validation. And then throws that out for, for thoughts to the panel. Well, I'll take that one since you kind of led me to it. Um, um, I, I wouldn't feel threatened by democratization or skeptical of it because, you know, I yes, I have gone on record as mocking that word, but the actual sentiments involved are probably what we should be doing all along. I mean, Wolfgang touched on this a minute ago when he said, talked about making vertical apps or CFD apps that target specific classes mm -hmm. of geometries, whether it's turbines or, or external automotive aero or whatever. Mm -hmm. First of all, by casting the application in that regard, um, where it has a narrow area of application, you make it more robust and easier for non-experts to use. Um, the questioner um, you know, said it, the methods aren't robust and you get wrong answers and not know it without V&V. That's the key. If you're using CFD, it is your responsibility as a user, regardless of how easy we've tried to make the application, to have done your own verification and validation to know what you're using, whether you're using it properly, what its range of applicability is, that you've run it on benchmark problems, the whole thing. Um, so... Um, and as a matter of fact, you guys will get a big kick out of this, is that through uh, the Assess initiative, um, I'm kind of getting more closely involved in the whole de democratization issue. But uh, if I give a comment to John's answer, I mean, I totally agree, yeah? but I don't think that anyone who's going to offer his, let's say, CAE services uh, uh, through the cloud will ever put a, a keynote and will say, uh, take care, because the results may, may be wrong. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a marketing issue. So everyone says, whatever you do, it is no. you get the right answer. No, no, that's the, the, the I, I believe that now with the cloud, you can, you can be really transparent with this. You can say, hey, here's, the, here's, a, here's just a modeling chain. Uh, you, you can play with the input, you can play with the outputs. Uh, now, just you have also access to uh, unlimited calculation power, fully elastic. Um, so, yeah, it can be it can be said that uh, we have just put up a platform, and uh, we, we are not guaranteeing the the results. We're just providing the performance. Yeah, but anyhow, it, I think it's true that it takes an expert to to make of course the, the yeah. and the, uh, yeah. of course yeah. One of the biggest problems is, even for experts, is on um, the geometry 
that has to be analyzed, especially for CFG. And um, I think that's that's one of the biggest problem, and that's something we've been working on, where you could do an actual geometry analysis um, for any CFD problem um, in aerodynamics. So um, I assume the user is going to be an expert, not in CFD, not in the epsilon and deltas and the partial derivatives, but rather in the application, and they will know what's going wrong um, in, in, in the code. It's like being a good driver, you get into your car and you can drive it. You don't drive off-road or anything like that. And you don't know how exactly to manufacture a car all by yourself. Right. Yeah, you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, Robin, I was just going to question with a with a quick suggestion here that uh, verification and validation are probably two components. There's a third component probably also missing here, and that is evaluation. Uh, verification, uh, meaning uh, what you put into the code, then you need to make sure that's sensible. What you get out, you need to make sure that's kind of sensible. Validation, you might uh, compare it against experimental or analytical data. Mm -hmm. But there's another one called evaluation. Evaluation is saying, um, uh, if I have a model which is size X, uh, 10 by 10 by 10, well, what do I, what answer do I get when I put in 20 by 20 by 20 or 50 by 50 by 50? And to understand the system's response when you define it in terms of time step or, or, uh, um, uh, or, or mesh size is probably a, a, an important factor to understand how the system responses to what you're applying it to. This probably answers also to the previous question. The previous question is uh, is, is about um, maybe par what paradigm shifts we expect. I also expect a paradigm shift in multi-physics. Um, so that relates also to this question. And multi-physics is, uh, is about using CFD with something else. So FE is, uh, is stated here, but it also means with electromagnetics. It also means with acoustics. Um, I, I like your, uh, um, your description of uh, zero-order extrapolation. The only best indication we have for future is what we have as the current price. Let me go on minus one extrapolation. CFD is actually not just CFD. It's also multi-physics. It includes heat transfer, uh, conjugate heat transfer. We already do that at the moment. And we have confidence in, in how we do that. So I think with the combination of verification, evaluation, validation, we'll probably uh, get there even with multi-physics, FSI, and everything else that's coming down the line. Well, I, I think I agree with you, Fred. The, the question is, or, or the issue is, that we should clear on the table. When we talk about democratization, there is no free lunch here. No, there's, this is not a get-out-of-jail-free card where we can throw responsibility to the wind and, and just release code that's packaged in a way that everyone, quote-unquote, can use it. I mean, there's, it, it actually may require more effort on our parts as developers and implementers of tools to to position and create these tools that are usable by people who aren't experts, who don't have our level of expertise. Like Patrick said, starting from the geometry and then moving all the way through to um, to getting the results and analyzing the, the reams of data that we're going to be getting out the back end. Yeah, I, I think that uh, there are plenty of examples that real engineers work with every day where it's a go, no-go decision. Exactly. And they're just passing uh, some hypothesis through a test that they didn't necessarily design. It could be a standard test, you know, from an engineering standard or a mil spec, and it's a go, no-go. No um, this appification idea gets you to the point where you can have something that the envelope is so small around a particular, very specific kind of um, 
kind of model that you can have a lot of confidence in, you know, the previous V&V &V that's been done on that, on that model. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I don't think that you should feel, um, what was the word here, uh, concerned because you might lose your job. <laughs> I think no. I think the pie gets bigger. I mean, I, I really do believe Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I yeah. think you got to look at it that way. The pie gets bigger. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for people who want to create these apps for people um, and for companies and have the expertise to do so. Um, and they're, again, these are often going to be very specific, um, well-known kinds of analyses in the democratization side of things. But there's still going to be tons and tons and tons of unknowns, new ground that has to be broken. And you're going to be using, I think, traditional general purpose CFD yeah. tools for that. And If you're designing a drone, for example, and eventually the CFD is going to disappear, and all that's going to be in your mind is the aerodynamics of this drone. How it's going to fly? Why is it? Why isn't it flying? And all of the, um, you know, all the the subject matter expert um, stuff that that you uh, um, were trained in. So the CFD is what you want to disappear because that's just math, and that's what you want to bring forward is your design. You want to bring forward your application, and that's you. You want to bring forth your imagination. So. You want yeah. the CFD to go away. So we we will see uh, two major communities uh, uh, around this whole topic. The one is really the guys who develop the codes, which is really, I mean, this is deep math uh, uh, in uh, at as, at its finest, I would say. You know, I'm a math mathematician, so I'm always proud of all that great <laughs> stuff which is in the codes, cool. right? Yeah, <laughs> but but there, there is there is the other community, like the real engineers you know, who do something, who create something with those tools. You know, there are the two, there are the tool makers, and then there are the tool users. And the tool users, as uh, uh, someone said, uh, they will grow. That community will really grow. Uh, we see this huge trend of freelancers recently, which which came from hundreds of thousands now into the millions. This is a fun job, uh, you know, to be on your own, maybe with two or three other friends and solve really hard problems and everybody is contributing to that. And uh, that is, again, I mean, for, for me, this is already democratization. It is not that John Doe would use a CFD code at all. I mean, this is uh, uh, far too complex and it will take another 10 years until maybe uh, John Doe with a PhD might, might use that. But yeah, I see that clear trend uh, that uh, CFD is grow growing, CAE is growing uh, on, uh, I, I mean, the code writers uh, will not really grow very much. Uh, there, there is a very specific skills necessary, but the users, yeah. the tool yeah, users will grow. Yeah, it's a little bit like back in the day you had to program with machine language and assembly language and now you can use frameworks and APIs so it's right. much easier but yeah, you still yeah. have to have your um, domain expertise. Right, right. I don't know I don't know if you guys are reading the questions but we've kind of touched on three um, extra ones there so uh, I'm going to pick out um, Genius question seeing as he was one of the first people to ask a question and he's, he's got a few upvotes but um, what Wolfgang was just saying there about um, 
people kind of freelancing. He's asking if, um, like he said, a couple of years ago, the trend was to use outsourced CFD groups. I looked after automotive companies. Now it looks like more and more companies prefer to create their own simulation departments. How do you think it will go in the near future? Is that some a trend that any of you guys are also seeing, or are you seeing the opposite trend? Could I start with a very quick answer there, Robin? Yes. I've been around for about 20 years, which is not a long time, really. But I've seen that cycle change at least three times. So it's gone from in-house, and then it's gone to external outsourcing, and then it's gone back to internal, and then it's gone back to outsourcing. So um, a trend is a trend. It'll probably change in two or three years' time, and we'll see the opposite happening. I like it. I think that even might be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that as the answer actually, and, uh, and I, um, I, I didn't mean to kill that one. No, you didn't. <laughs> just, but you actually did. You, you've got quite a knack. Of, you've got quite a knack of uh, a, a concise, excellent answer, Fred. Well, well, the good news is, if you, the good news is, if you decide that you want to be a freelancer in this space, uh, I think there's an unlimited sea of business for you to draw from. Uh, out there. So, so I, I really wouldn't worry too much about whether companies are on the upswing or the downswing of that trend. And so I think, that, yeah, the, the increase of, of the number of entrepreneurs is also uh, probably uh, very much linked with uh, open, open source solvers uh, like OpenFoam. That really uh, helps at the beginning, I guess, uh, from how, how it used to be. Uh, to be able to start with a really a robust uh, uh, solver without any uh, without paying paying anything basically, I guess that's also that also a, a good reason that you have an increase in the number of entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. What you can see, for example, around open foam is uh, uh, so new startup companies over the last uh, three, four years, I mean, they came up like mushrooms. So uh, I mean, currently we we are putting you know, these small, medium-sized companies on our marketplace, and there's a long queue of them now, and all focusing on open source codes. There is a similar trend on bio uh, around the Gromax code, for example, for molecular dynamics. So that one here in CFD is uh, really pushing forward. I mean, this is open form, yeah. Uh, there was, by the way, there was a... Uh, uh, a, a statement from an analyst uh, at the Stanford conference uh, two months ago, uh, which uh, basically said that these open source codes, they are growing uh, two-digit wise these days. And uh, that's another sign for me that uh, many people are trying out this uh, uh, new and easy to get and open. still challenging to learn. I mean, uh, we, have, we have to be honest here. But uh, so that trend, I see that really growing. Um, I was going to dip, as we've got a few um, developers, CFD developers and uh, and um, product people here, I was going to pick the, um, the question from um, Zhijiang Lu, hopefully I pronounced that roughly right, um, that companies developing CFD packages also need to recruit people from uh, computer science and computer engineering backgrounds, but what percentage of people do pure CFD developers account for in a team and what kind of uh, skills does a CFD developer need to have? Is a CSE degree necessary? I don't, for me, I don't think so. Um, I did a lot of um, mathematics, uh, a lot of um, applied math, a lot of um, ability to solve um, partial differential equations, ordinary differential equations, um, things like that. 
uh, and some uh, level of expertise in, in programming, such as um, knowledge of Fortran for older people like me, or C++, on Java, anything that run really, really fast on, on the machine would be, would be great. Even machine language or assembly, if you could do that, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also would like to give a comment uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, go, uh, sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, I think um, regarding, let's say, next generation CFD codes and the way we want to deploy these codes, I think it takes, um, uh, how to say, a, a big bouquet of uh, different people in order to make it uh, work uh, uh, nicely. Uh, I mean, um, for example, we're, um, we're working with the Italian uh, Supercomputing Center, which is uh, Cineca, mm -hmm. uh, around things regarding parallelization. Uh, and I mean, it takes really some uh, some deep deep expertise in order to uh, to manage the, par the let's say the new area of parallelization. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is why I believe that uh, for sure. I mean, it is not really necessary to have a, a degree in computer science, but one of the different uh, profiles which which at least we do appreciate come from computer science. Yeah. So as a, as a kind of a developer and a releaser and uh, a supporter and maintainer and tester of CFD codes, and uh, it, it's open foam. So uh, it's been mentioned a few times uh, uh, this morning or this afternoon already. Th that's kind of interesting. Yes, we do have computer scientists that are on the staff. But uh, open source is really interesting because then it opens up a community. And, you know, we don't stop with staff. Um, the contributions coming from the community, from the people that are expert, as, as uh, um, Karen said, that the, uh, and, and others have said here, uh, there are so many people who are experienced with this very complex system of um, architectures that um, they're very willing to help even with open mm -hmm. um, source like uh, like like open form so that's where community actually works really well you don't always have to have the expertise in-house and with open source it just uh, encourages the community to uh, to engage there I think one of the things that I'll comment regarding the way the question is phrased there's a it says what percentage of people do pure CFD developers account for in a team? I don't think that's really the way to look at it in terms of skills. Um, don't look at it in terms of, you know, do you have a certain toolbox in your brain that you can draw from based on your degree or, or whatever? It's more about do you have the aptitude for programming um, and do you have that logical mindset? Um, you know, we, you know, we've had engineers, mathematicians, computer scientists, you know, working on software. And I'm going to say this, even though and I don't mean it to close doors, but in a perfect world, we, we kind of find that engineers who can program are our preferred way to go because it gives them the understanding of the physics in addition to the programming technologies to pull things together. So, the, you know, the question is, uh, a CSD, is a CSE degree necessary? No. 
Um, what kind of CSE skills does a CFD developer need to have? Well, some developers just need to know the numerics. Some need to have a good feel for user interface and user experience. Some need to understand infrastructure and back-end coding and scripting. And it, it's, a, it's a fairly broad mix of, of, of skills, especially when you talk about the broader product. You know, a, a CFD product, a software product, is not a program. The program may be at the center of the product, but everything else that's built around it requires skills beyond simply being able to get in and program in whatever your language of choice is. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Oh, we, we're in danger of all agreeing again. Um, <laughs> I, um, so time's time's pressing on, and there's a couple of I'm being being a little bit um, being a bit selfish because there's a couple of questions that I'm quite interested in um, seeing what you guys think. Um, first one um, is from uh, from Rahul Joshi, um, and he's asking um, how can CFD play a, a big role in the healthcare industry? And I'd kind of like to broaden that out as to um, what industries do you think CFD could play a big role in that it isn't really now. Um, or it's it's just taking hold, and uh, has it become stagnant in some of the sort of more classical areas like automotive and aircraft? Well, I would say definitely it has not become stagnant. Um, I understand that people smarter than me have made comments that maybe it has in certain areas, um, but I think that it's still evolving in in the traditional spaces where CFD plays, whether that's aerospace or automotive. I think the questioner. Pick, you know, by citing healthcare, I think that's a great opportunity for CFD to uh, to be applied because, you know, just looking at the panel, those of us who have more gray hair than the others, we're all getting older. We're all going to need artificial organs, uh, many of whom operate in the fluid field, like lungs and heart valves and all sort of things. So someone's going to need to design and simulate those things. Yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> But it, and and the Good interesting point. thing there is that um, they do a lot of things that are patient specific. Mm. It's not like they have. It's not like the heart or the lungs come in one model like a car that they crank out thousands of. Mm. It's like you know, patient A has a certain um, uh, certain uh, heart valve arrangement. Patient B has a different one. Patient C. So that poses some very interesting challenges for CFD. Yeah, I think so. Uh, again, it goes back to the um, the geometry of the problem. For example, you can take a, an extra um, ultrasound of a patient and get their heart arrangement, their blood vessels. And what you need to do is to be able to just um, get something that will automatically analyze that geometry and you could get the fluid going through. Secondly, the person operating um, the CFD package would not would be a physician, so the physician is the, the main expert here that would be able to um, analyze the result of the CFD and then plan an operation or something to mitigate the, um, the problem that the patient is having. So we need to design um, things that are automatic that um, a physician can use their best knowledge to use effectively. If we're going to rely on physicians to actually be running CFD in healthcare, we're all doomed. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. <laughs> they have to. Um, 
anyone else on the uh, sort of uh, upcoming industries or is it is it all about healthcare? Um, we live in Florida, um, just living on the earth, we are immersed in fluids. So um, it's the biggest application. Uh, so I, I worked for a CFD company for about nine years when I was much younger, and uh, I I really believed that everything was a CFD problem. I would ride down the street and I'd I'd see it, an electronics box hanging on a pole and think, oh, it must be generating heat. It's got to go somewhere. That's a CFD problem. So, yeah, I mean, it, I I really do believe that uh, anytime you've got fluids, liquids, uh, gases. You're familiar with Maslow's hammer, aren't you, Jeff? Maslow's hammer. Yeah, <laughs> everything looks like a nail. Yeah. I've got two other trends. Uh, one is uh, building services industry, and the other one is oil and gas. Uh, just to chip another two in, uh, they're kind of up and coming. Cool. Well, to uh, I'll I'll move it on then to the uh, the next um, sort of. Uh, there's a couple of questions around this actually. Um, to go. Um, into AI uh, or deep learning. Do you think deep learning and AI, which is a fairly hot topic at the moment with Google Play and AlphaGo and um, DeepMind and things like that, do you think those sort of techniques can play a role in um, in CFD? Um, some of the more human-driven activities, uh, as Alessandro puts it, um, such as pre- and post-processing. I was wondering if it would play a role in, say, um, optimization. Maybe Haysom could come in on something like that. Yeah. But, um, um, do you think AI or deep learning can play a role in uh, in pre and post processing to start? Yeah, well, um, regarding pre processing, uh, I don't. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, more skeptical because I think there are other technologies will, which will which can make uh, the difference there. But regarding uh, post processing, uh, I think is it. Especially if you want to go uh, towards cloud computing and the generation of massive data, uh, I mean, it is uh, it is not viable that all this data uh, should be uh, post-processed by a human being. And then there's, I think, a part of the of the general, let's say, um, just this uh, this aspect about covering more work by the computer. I think there are uh, some. Uh, a bunch of very crucial tasks which uh, sh our community should learn how to deal with. For example, what do you do if you have, uh, uh, you have a CFD model which predicts the contrary of reality? I mean, it happens, and it happens uh, a lot of times. Huh? No. <laughs> uh, you see, normally there's a big stall in this, uh, in this situation. Huh? And uh, I mean, uh, it takes a huge effort to get out of this because it takes some very detailed experiments in order to get to know why your CFD model failed to predict at least a trend. And I think there, uh, uh, there's really space for artificial uh, intelligence also in order to um, to know about the critical tasks within your CFD code, yeah. uh, in order to check your models, your implementations in your CFD um, in your CFD code, and uh, uh, to to, get, to to have a track out, uh, to get to give you an exit strategy 
if you have too much data, which maybe uh, is conflicting with each other. I, I think um, it might be a good um, application, again, back into the medical field. Um, deep learning, I think, is a fancy way of saying neural networks, something that we've been working on for several years, maybe a decade or two. And I think they have done some work back then, a few breakthroughs. I think every five years or 10 years, they make a breakthrough in neural networks like deep learning, like they were able to um, use it to process bank checks. And now, I mean, you write a check and you know the computer will process it. And now Google, I think, is trying to take it further. So if you have something like that, and you know you could um, run, scan somebody, get their um, geometry of their arteries and heart, and then do a CFD code that runs thousands of scenarios. Then you probably could use something that the doctors program in there, um, their their knowledge uh, into the neural network, and then you could pop out saying, "Hey, don't do this because this is the current situation in this patient." Or proceed as planned, that type of thing. I'm more than willing to try artificial intelligence on pre-processing because apparently to date, human intelligence hasn't been working all that well. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder how many people I've pissed off with that comment right there. But ser seriously, um, AI is one of those terms that has been uh, genericized to the point where it's almost meaningless to say, I'm going to apply AI to X. Um, I was involved in some experiments to try to apply AI to pre-processing in the late 1980s. Um, I'm not saying that it's a foolish idea. I'm just saying that we have to be much more specific in terms of what is it exactly we're going to try to accomplish in using what kind of tool. Because AI, again, is so such a generic term anymore. I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, I think I was um, quite uh, impressed by some of the deep learning aspects that um, that Google were putting out recently. Yeah. But I, they, the problem that I saw with it was that the feedback loop was too long. So you could get something to mesh something and then solve it and see what the answer was and move towards a, uh, a particular um, mesh. But the, that doing the solution that's taking that's going to take too long um to, it's going to take too long to learn what to do too much power to learn what to do to then how how much of that carries over when you make a decent sized geometry change or something like it doesn't seem very efficient for something like uh, for cfd at the moment um yeah i think if the meshing is automatic uh, and you can mesh an actual geometry then what deep learning will do is to just interpret that data to some extent. So something has to be mechanical and then um, the machine will then get the results. I think artificial intelligence, neural networks, deep learning is good at you know, figuring out a, a, a trend or and I'm, I don't know anything about artificial intelligence but what I've read I think it would be good for just or any uh, taking an expert, um, replacing an expert in, in um, interpreting the data. So I also seeded another question with the panel, which I, I'm again quite interested to find out. We've only got we've only got ten minutes, so um, and I don't want everybody just saying uh, I'm going to do the same again. Uh, but I asked, um, knowing what you know now. 
Um, what CFD business would you start if you were to start over? Um, I'm uh, quite intrigued to see if uh, if anybody uh, has uh, has anything to uh, anything interesting to share with us on that, or if you just uh, hey Sam's laughing, you must have something. No, no. <laughs> Maybe we'll start a pizzeria. (laughs) (laughs) I would have listened to my mother and become a doctor or a lawyer. (laughs) CFD in the healthcare space, John. (laughs) You know, maybe it's a lack of imagination on my part, but I can't imagine working on anything other than pre-processing, especially since it, it really is the long pole in the tent right now. It's the place where and I know I'm biased, is where I think we could have most impact on an engineer's use of CFD. So sorry, I, I, I violated your condition and said I wouldn't change anything. But. No, I, well, think- I, 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 I think all that, you know, almost every five years you have to start in your CFD business because um, 10 years ago I was doing something else in CFD and then the decade from about... Um, the end of the 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 end of 2009 to now, I was I'm doing on Navier Stokes, and then I think I have to start something new um, for the next five years. So you cannot say, hey, I'm going to continue the same CFD business. It's just you have to look at what what the kids are doing. They have smartphones. They have or they live by their smartphones, and what's the what's the most powerful computing platform? that's going to be available in a few years. So that's where you have to start. Who are going to be the customers? Um, what platform they're going to be using? Uh, is the smartphone going to be a small supercomputer? If yes, then you know that might be the next CFD business. Well, I'm not yeah. smart enough to start any, uh, to, to write anything or to develop any code. Um, so I'm going to assume in this uh, imaginary world that I'm starting a small services business with almost no money. I'd buy a license, a space claim uh, to handle all my uh, model uh, geometry manipulation tools, and I'd use OpenFoam as my main solver. Not sure what I'd use as my uh, preprocessor yet. <coughs> probably talk to John Chonner about that for a good <laughs> You beat me to it, John. Um, but, that, but that's what I would do. And, then I, and more importantly than all of that, I would pick a niche. Uh, so let's just say it's valves. I think there's plenty of opportunity out there. That's just an example. I would be the valve CFD services guy. Yeah. So same here, uh, and it really depends. You can't do on, valve CFD. Uh, so do you do you hear me? Yep, absolutely. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, th- I thought I got off again uh, by technology. Uh, so uh, it it really depends if you want to. Just do a beautiful small business on your own or with two or three friends together. I would really pick a niche, as Jeff already mentioned. Uh, there is so many great things uh, in industry which need good, solid CFD results, uh, and you specialize on that. Uh, this will feed your family and friends, obviously. Uh, that's one thing. Or, I mean, if you are like a youngster and uh, you want to get rich within five years, then uh, you really have to bet on the bigger trends. Uh, like, uh, I mean, as, as, as kind of Patrick said, uh, so smartphones, for example, CFD for smartphones. And I know that already is coming now, but you know, there are these waves of the bigger trends. And when you are early enough and take CFD and throw it on a new trend, uh, like 
you know, quantum computer maybe <laughs> one of those, uh, then uh, yeah, then then you can even uh, create something really yeah. big. Yeah, I think CFD for smartphones is not as easy as it looks because um, I don't think the kids want to pay thousands of dollars for cloud computing. So it's a little trickier than that, but they still want to use their smartphones. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so what what works certainly now is uh, use your smartphone as your front end and connect it to a cloud. Yeah. That's so, not so, so do all the, the beautiful pre and you know some high level post processing on your smartphone. Mm -hmm. uh, it is powerful enough, and everything else you know the uh, then throw in the cloud. Yeah, but the cloud is expensive, so kids don't want to do that. Yeah, it depends on. I mean, uh, it, 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 it's all, you know, it depends on your requirements. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, you I dictate agree. the price at the end of the day. I mean, uh, if you yeah. want to do a big thing, then it's expensive. The little yes. things uh, today, I mean, you know, renting a server with 32 cores is 50 bucks today, a day. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's not expensive. Not expensive. At least, no. at least not for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I would be going in the other direction, Robin. Uh, that's uh, multi-physics. So CFD is not is not an island. It's connecting with acoustics. It's connecting with FSI and structures. It's connecting with heat transfer. And in the end, we're not building components. We're building whole machines and, and, and vehicles. So that's pro probably where I'd connect it, uh, having a CFD expertise, is understanding that we're not an island and we're connecting with many other things. So then you need at least a team for that. You know, multi-physics uh, already says it. You need multiple uh, multi-physicists. Can I give you a call later? <laughs> ah, okay, I, I, I hear you. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so just to, to add something about this uh, discussion, this topic. Uh, so we, we are we're in the wind industry that can be seen as a as a niche. Uh, but it was not a bet because we were we were we were there uh, before starting our own uh, company and we knew that there was this requirement. So if I was to uh, if I was to take a, a call on uh, what would be uh, our next uh, industry to work on, um, of course we would first focus on the same scale. So uh, we would talk about the atmospheric boundary layer. Uh, so that, of course, it, it's a faster time to market, and uh, we would probably go with uh, something like air pollution or drones, uh, but something a problem which is uh, basically in the atmospheric boundary layer. So we stay in the same uh, physics. I like it. So some people have stayed where they are. Um, hey, Sam's off to open a pizzeria, and uh, <laughs> he's, he'll probably make the most money out of the lobby. I didn't like you. <laughs> Uh, we're pretty close to time now, guys, so I will um, just say thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody watching. I've got a little number down the bottom, and I don't know if anybody else can see it, but at least the people watching outnumber those on the panel, so that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for uh, for showing up, and um, I hope that, uh, that people watching uh, got something out of it. Thank, yeah, thank, you, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, so, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Robin. Bye-bye. See you soon. Well, I guess you're still listening. You must have got something out of this. So why not hop over to TalkingCFD.com and sign up for the mailing list? Be good to have you. See you next time. <laughs>